y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys review G.I. Joe and Transformers deck-building games. They also review a new light Euro, Zapotech, and I will join Marty for a review of Savannah Park. Don't forget the Hall of Fame toy inductees. Is that why there's sand all over the table? <sighs> yes. Hello, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 244. We are proud to be part of the Old Man's Network. Name of this episode is We Gotta Get Out of This Place. I'm Tony. If it's the last thing that I do, who's that by? Uh, animals. And it's you better check it. I'm not paying $5. I paid out <laughs> a lot of money last time. I'm not paying out a lot this time. So, uh, yeah. So here's the thing. We've paid out probably about 20 bucks over the past couple episodes. And, and to be fair... To be fair, in our RDTN fashion, if you catch an error in our episode, let us know. We'll give you $5 gift certificate to Miniature Market. As Tony was doing his quality assurance listening of the last episode, 243, he said, by the way, I said a wrong year for the beginning of the Civil War. And I said, well, we'll just see if anybody catches it. Yeah, two people did. God, people. <laughs> quickly. And very quickly did they catch that. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, that uh, you said it started in 1963. That is incorrect. I went, all right, here's $5. Well, I look at it from the standpoint, it was even mumbled. I mean, I was like, I barely even heard it. I went, oh, man, oh, nobody's going to hear that. No, it's, it's, it's noise. It's noise. That's just part of the noise. So they know in the intro that there's going to be mess ups, screw ups and everything else. I'm fine with that. I, Hey, I said, Marty, just go ahead and write the check. And I did. And it was like soon after that, somebody, uh, somebody else found the exact same one. So I, I awarded it twice. What kind of crap is that? I was being generous. It's the Christmas season. I'm in a Christmas spirit. Okay, fine. You're always writing different rules on me, but I'm all right with that. I'm fine. So, <laughs> But one rule that still stands, and I agree, because uh, some people have tried this. They'll listen to an episode more than two weeks after it's released no. and say, hey, this is an error. And I go, I'm sorry. The, the cutoff is two weeks after the release date of the episode. Unless you can prove to us that you listened to the episode like 10 times to try to find it and it just took you that long to get through it. Because last episode with Unfathomable, it was two hours too long. No, we got a lot of fantastic comments on that. Thank you for Mark and Nate coming on. That's one of the best, most in-depth episode reviews or reviews we've ever done on an episode. And we got a lot of fantastic comments about it. And it just goes to show... That when you have people on this show that know what they're talking about, we have some good content. And we shut up. <laughs> we, we've we learned when the guests come on the show, if we just shut up and let them do the talking, people will be edumacated. That is correct. Now, speaking of educated and mm -hmm. going back to the episode about supply chain with uh, Scott Morris and Justin Jacobson, heard tonight on the news as I was watching it because, you know, the news is all doom and gloom and all that, especially with the supply chains and things like that. Sure. But, but they were interviewing some lady and she was talking about, and and for this show to not to bring this up, I, I, I can't, it's unfathomable that we did not, point out she said that this past summer due to supply chain issues normally she will sell upwards of 70 plus lawnmowers but she has only sold five because she cannot get them in stock so basically every facet mm -hmm. of the supply chain from games to electronics to lawnmowers is being affected uh 
by the well, I guess it would make sense, right? It's a worldwide issue. Somewhere out in the middle of the Pacific or sitting off a port in California is a trailer full of lawnmowers. Yeah. I mean, you've got you got the truck container sitting there, just ready, shipping container ready to go. Because I'm like, well, it's not waiting on chips. If I could get a lawnmower, but I wonder, I wonder if lawnmowers do have chips in them. A lot of the basic walk behind a uh, gas engine, I would think would not. The battery operated more than likely do. Okay. Because you got to have chips on there for monitoring the device. I mean, the battery power and everything like that. So that probably does have ICs in it. But I would think that just a standard lawnmower would not. I mean, if you can, and I know there's big machines that can do this, but one day I think that maybe that is, and it's a small goal and a sad goal, but I would love a GPS mower where I can sit my little hind end on it mm-hmm. and, and just you know have my yard, kind of like you do with a vacuum cleaner for your house that you can suddenly put that vacuum cleaner and it can map your um, interior of your house, that'd be so cool for a lawnmower. Just a riding mower. That is the ultimate goal. Think about it. You're sitting there and the lawnmower is driving you around while you're mowing your lawn. You've got your mason jar full of tea. But if that's the case, why do I need to be on the lawnmower? To enjoy the smell of the fresh cut grass. Well, okay. That's fair. Or I could just sit out beside the, the yard. No, I like where you're going with this. A, a GPS-driven lawnmower. But again, I mean, they kind of have remote-driven lawnmowers anyway, but I guess they're not GPS-controlled. Well, they've got all the little uh, battery ones, the, the GPS mm-hmm. ones, like the vacuums and all. But if I sit on it, it's not going to move. <laughs> That's my goal. I want to sit on it. <laughs> if I sit on it, the thing's oh. just going to sit there in the yard. <laughs> So it's basically like cruise control for your lawnmower. Yes. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. I would I would pay a little bit extra money for that. Got the cup holder on the side, the umbrella on the back, man. I'm just riding my mower through the yard, not having to do anything, but just enjoying the smell, the fresh cut grass, the cool breeze or the humidity here in the south, whatever. That's it. That's what I want. That's where I'm going for. So that's that's I will stop mowing my lawn physically when I can get that in a mower. Well, sounds like uh, maybe you should come up with something like that. Design it. Pitch it to somebody. I'm beyond design. (laughs) Okay, Now that's just too much work. I just want somebody to make it for me and I'll pay them money. So uh, I do hate that there is one thing that I cannot provide to you because I saw it in the store. I'll have them for Thursday. So it'll be later and we'll do it, especially for a Christmas episode. Unless you've already picked them up, I have found Ginger Snap Mountain Dews. So I'm, I've got it. I, I will purchase it tomorrow and bring it to game night so we can do that taste test. And you're pointing at me saying. We have amazing listeners, Tony. Because there is a gentleman that contacted me, Steve from Ohio, and said, have you guys seen the Mountain Dew uh, Ginger Snapped? Is that what it's called? I think it's called Ginger Snapped. Yep. Which is a holiday flavor. And I said, I have not. And at the time I said, I had not seen these. And he said, let me send you guys some. So today he sent us four cans of Mountain Dew Ginger Snapped. And I thought, uh, we're not going to do the taste test this episode because I, I, Tony doesn't have it yet, but I think it'll be great for right after Thanksgiving when our next episode drops November 30th, going right into December for that uh, holiday season, that we'll do a taste test for the Ginger Snapped Mountain Dew. And to be honest with you, I am not expecting much from this because I just can't see how a gingerbread flavored drink is good. I do not like ginger ale. I don't either. I don't either. So when we do this, I will make sure there is a tarp up to prevent the spewage that's going to be <laughs> when I take a sip of it. I, 
uh, low expectations here, but I am willing to try anything for the listeners. But they have been carrying, they have released Pepsi Mango Zero Sugar. Oh my, that's, oh, that's so good. I have not seen this, so you'll need to tell me oh, what store you got that from because I would want that. Uh, I've seen it in all the stores. You will get one at game night just so that you can taste it. It's zero sugar, so I know it fits in your calorie count. And in fact, uh, even though we're not doing a taste test tonight, uh, Paul from Twitter DM me and said, you know, you guys should call the segments where you do a taste test. You should call it Taste Buds. That's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. So in the future, we'll call our little segment we do taste test, Taste Buds. Because we're buds or is that is that where he's coming from? Taste buds, all like on your tongue, and we're buddies. Taste okay. buds. Come on. That's clever. That's very clever. I mean, it's, well, once again, listeners carrying the show, not us. I mean, here's the thing. They come up with the name of the segments. They provide us the stuff to taste. Can they just play the games for us and just tell us what they think and we'll just read it on? Actually, we're going to be doing that tonight because one of the games that we're playing are going to be reviewing. And we handed off to our friend Bert, who gave us his own little written review of the game. I said, I'm just going to use part of that in the review because he uh, and his son are big Transformers fans. We're going to be covering the Transformers deck building game. And it was interesting to hear somebody who's really into that uh, universe to be able to talk about it. We'll get to it later, but Transformers, I know what they are, but I didn't really get that heavy into it, but we can talk about that when it comes up. Same here. The 80s cartoons kind of missed all that. So I, I did recently, this past weekend, went and played That's a Question with some friends of ours again. Six of us were sitting around. With a nice squirrel on the cover. Nice. And the little maple squirrels. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a Vladi uh, Shavato uh, design. Yep. And we, we I hadn't played that in forever. And they mm-hmm. had a copy. And so I, I quickly went through the rules. That's a great rule book, by the way. Amazing rule book. And we were playing that. And I was like, I, I, I got to learn the rules. Why don't you just break out code names? And they go, no, why, why don't you? Let's, let's do That's a question. And for a reminder, for those of you who've never played it, there are three questions. And you pick two answers in your hand. And you pick the question that matches the color and whichever squirrel makes it to the top of the mountain, whoever can guess how people answer correctly wins. So mm-hmm. one of the questions my wife said, which would you rather? And the answers were be able to speak to animals or design a board game. She's the only one that got it right. What was it? I think, well, I think I, well, I'm, I'm trying to think. I uh, quickly go to financial terms. <laughs> I think you would make more money speaking to animals. <laughs> so I think you'd be more financially stable if you picked <laughs> animals. <laughs> Call me Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> that was the answer. <laughs> and everybody's like, why? Donna goes, he's never wanted to design a board game. He loves playing them, but he has no desire, which goes back to designing a lawnmower. And she's absolutely right. I mean, they're they like, that's wrong. That's so wrong. And so it got kind of heated. It was hilarious. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people can design board games. Not that many people can talk to animals. So it'd be kind of a unique skill. I, I thought so. But that was one of the answers. But I said, you know, this or codenames. I love codenames. And it kind of came back to where you and I just recently snatched victory from losing or however I'm supposed to say that to show that we should have lost. Did we snatch it or did we just take take it by the reins and just, I don't know that we snatched That's victory true. in that one. We played uh, again on our friend uh, Tim Reel's Twitch channel along with Banzanator. 
and uh, one of her friends, and we play code names. Let's see, you're supposed to, you're supposed to win the best out of three. Didn't we go? Didn't we take take uh, the first two? Didn't even lose? I cannot remember. That was a while ago. But all I know is we got to win. Mm-hmm. But, but I want to commend you, sir. Okay. Thank you. For once again, it was almost as good as our practice round when we did the paper and I said four engineering or what it was and you put it mm-hmm. all together. But when I came out and said Pokemon 3 and you're sitting there and you started going down the mat and fish was one the, the correct answer and you had gotten the rest of them, um, Ash and then po- Pocket Monsters, those were given. And then you said, well, Magikarp, Magikarp. And you went through this whole logic thing and I'm sitting there going... <laughs> You were right in my train of thought. I'm like, that's exactly right. Magikarp is the worst Pokemon until it evolves to a Gyarados, which we then became a sandwich that you can get at a Greek restaurant, a Gyarados. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, the guy who was the producer of the show, I kept saying Gyarados, and it was driving him crazy. He had to come on and say, look, it's Gyarados. Would you just please say Gyarados? <laughs> and then we're going, Gyro. Uh, but yeah, so it's so funny. Yeah, it was like, uh, like you said, pocket, ash, and those two were really obvious. Uh, but then the fish, and I went, boy, I remember Tony and I playing the blue and red Pokemon. And I remember tagging, t- bringing along a Magikarp and giving him the experience points. Remember, you could only give the experience share to one Pokemon in those old games. Everybody gets it now. The kids nowadays, Tony, all their little Pokemon get experience share. Back then in the old days, and actually in the remake of Diamond and Pearl that's coming out, you have to give an experience share to one of the Pokemon. So you'd have to give it to Magikarp, who serves no purpose whatsoever. You just had to bring him in for at least one attack mm-hmm. and then get rid of him and hope he doesn't die. Yes. Because <laughs> you need a Gyarados. You need because that was the ultimate fighting machine. But it took forever because you knew if you left him on the battlefield, he was done and he wasn't going to get anything. But once you got it, though, holy cow. And then I remember when you could trade him. Gyaradoses were a pretty big deal because nobody wanted to go through the pain of having to bring along a Magikarp and take up a slot that does nothing for you until it got to whatever level it was. And I could pull out our laminated sheets that I found from uh, red and blue that show exactly when everybody levels up and evolves. But that was an amazing pull. It just, once again, this game, when you play with people who know you, then it becomes a game that you, you rely on the history. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. We some we we yeah we got a victory, but we cr- we cried. We got crushed in the speed round. We couldn't do anything in the speed no. round. No, I suck at speed rounds. Where basically how he does it is he gives you the clue giver seven seconds to come up with the clue. I'd be like red one. <laughs> you know, I couldn't come up with it. You did a lot better giving clues than what I did. But yeah, we stunk on the uh, the speed rounds, but we did good in the regular. And he has a big tournament coming up uh, over Christmas. And if you want to, you and I can enter this tournament and see how well we do against the best of the best. It's a single elimination tournament. My only concern is when it's there's time, I'm not available for some of those times. So it'd be like, okay, we won. And then all of a sudden, by forfeit because I'm not mm. available. So that that's that's tough. But he does a great show. Love the show. I appreciate him bringing us back on. Thank you, Tim. That was very kind of you. And speaking of tournaments, a few episodes ago, we uh, talked about the World Series of Board Gaming, uh, which we got to announce a game that uh, for it is going to be Brass Birmingham, and they have been very kind to give us two passes. 
uh, for basically being able to play in one of the qualifying games, which is a pass worth 250 bucks. We're going to keep this very simple. We're just going to have a simple entry form online to fill out. We'll just randomly pick one and you will get a code for a qualifying pass for one game that's worth 250 bucks. But remember, you still got to get to Las Vegas. You still got to pay for your room and everything. But it does cover playing in just one game. And again, this is going to be taking uh, place next fall, early fall. And you can uh, find out more at their website at uh, World Series of Board Gaming. And we'll have a link in the show notes for that, plus a link uh, to the contest entry form that will close two weeks after this episode drops, which would be the 30th. And then we'll uh, pick two luckiest winners. But please remember, only enter if you think and know that you'll probably go because these are one-time use codes. And if you use the code and don't go, then it was somewhat wasted. So really take time to think about it. But remember, if you go and you win those qualifying rounds and everything, it's worth uh, cash, cold, hard cash if you win. And it's in Vegas. Yep. So what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Unless you win, you can bring the money with you. That's right. And you can also bring all the bragging rights that you want to do. And I really need to start bringing paper up to the old recording studio so I can say, link needed here. (laughs) You could just type it in the, you know, on the computer. Well, then then you'll go and get typity type sounds on the mic. Oh, that's true. I don't want to do that to you. So while I was over at the Friends playing, that's a question. Yes. Also commented, just like I commented with you the other night. Those are some nice buns. (laughs) All right. I'm just going to let you take this segment. Well, they were. They had smiles on them. They were round. They were firm. The jokes could just go on and on about what? Nice buns from Big Potato Games. There, there you, you go. go. We played this at game night. It was a it's a quick little filler game, and we played it with three. And full transparency, I might as well. We've been doing this for almost nine years now. It could be full transparency. It was a lead freaking balloon when the three of us played. Mm. It, I mean, high level overview. It is a split you choose mm-hmm. game where you are trying to collect three different sets of buns and. There are three dice that you roll. You will split them, and the dice are pick from a bag, take from a plate, or do something like steal from a neighbor, swap, or uh, what's the other one? I I can't remember what the uh, the third choice is. That's the game. That's it right there. It kind of reminds me of LCR with a, a lot more meat to it, a lot more buns to it. Yes, meaty buns. The kicker is that there are red, green, yellow, and blue buns in there, but there are also white buns, which are fish buns, and they stink up the place. Mm -hmm. And they keep you from having to complete your objectives. And if you ever get four buns, then everything, those four buns go back into the steamer bag. And a fish bun can go with any set that makes it four. So the minute you get it, boom, they're back in the bag. When we three played, it was kind of, eh, split, you choose. I like those kind of games. Nate, Unfathomable. He designed Sunday Split, one of my favorite uh, card games. Simple card mm-hmm. games. Love that game. And I was like, okay, I like Split You Choose type of games. But when we played it with a six, Marty, we had a much better time. Also, these were very light gamers. And they were enjoying the concept of that game. They were like, okay, this is neat. They enjoyed the strategy of how to split the dice. And I think if we had played it again, there would have been more of a take that type atmosphere 
where they would have been trying to mess up the other people and keeping them from like, oh, wait a minute, I need to steal from you. And because they got in the habit of just looking around them and not seeing what the strategy was across the table from them. Hey, Big Potato Games, appreciate you sending it to to us. Um, that was nice buns. Speaking of the family, I had uh, my parents over. We try to go out every couple of weeks, get something to eat. And I want to bring them back and play a game. We actually played Horrified, uh, which they really enjoyed. But we also got to play a new trivia game called Boom Again. It's something like Trivial Pursuit for the Boomers. So it consists of a lot of trivia questions, news, uh, sports, uh, pop culture like TV, movie, uh, commercials, music, etc. Based in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the team they're playing against says, hey, I want a category based on uh, music. And you pull a card and the other person reads a question. And if you get it right, it's kind of like a little bit of a tug of war. You got this board where you have a, a token for each of the different categories. And when you get a question right, the token comes towards your side of the board. And if you get it right two times in a row, you actually earn the token. And the first person to earn three tokens wins the game. So as Vanessa and I against my parents... And I must say that uh, when it comes to history of things in the 50s and 60s, it's I, I did horrible. Now, obviously, it was made for my parents, 50s, 60s, and 70s. But when they asked the question, who did Kennedy run against in 1960? Walter Mondale? I don't know. Walter Mondale. Like- oh, <laughs> So I don't think that's right. No, that's not um, right. It's no um, Or, or uh, it was like, uh, it, and it listed three years. Uh, or it says, there were three vice presidents that went on to go and run for president and lost or something like that. I'm going, I don't know. So there was a lot of stuff that it's like, it wasn't like things you would learn in school. It's more of if you lived during that time. Like if somebody was to ask us, Tony, they might ask, who, when Carter ran in the early 90s, who did he beat? And we'd probably be able to remember it was Bush. <laughs> no, we wouldn't remember. And it was actually, I think it was Nixon against Kennedy because that was the debate. In the 60s? Yeah. because uh, Okay. You, you, you're just going to make me pay out a lot of $5? Can't we no, just kind of stop? It up right now. It says Kennedy, okay. Johnson, Red Nose, those won by Nixon and Lodge. Okay, well, there you go. All right. So uh, anyway, so it is a really cool trivia game. But what is really interesting about it is that the the person who designed the game is Brian, who also happened to invent Taboo, Outburst, Malarkey, Super Scategories, and over 40 other games that's been published. So all of his games have sold over 50 million copies. So he's the guy that probably a lot of people have played games that, that he made and now he's come out with this new trivia game so i thought it was really cool they reached out to us would you be interested in it? it's like wow the guy that designed taboo and super categories etc i thought that that's really cool so i was anxious to try it out and it is a it is a really nice uh game with nice components and everything like that but i immediately went back to them and said uh this is great and everything but could you do a gen x version <laughs> So I stand a chance? Yeah, so that maybe covers the 70s, 80s, and 90s, so that I actually have a chance. I will say that Vanessa and I did do good on the music. For example, uh, one of the questions was, what is the 11th word in the song Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain and Tennille? And it's like, got that instantly. Muskrat. 
No, that's Muskrat Love. Totally different song. Okay. But anyway, so I mean, it was, it's really cool like that. It's like, what's the X word in a song? And it's like, we were nailing lyrics like that one. So for, I could just see you and Vanessa start being uh, Captain Inch Neil. Love. Mm-hmm. You Love singing. will keep us together. Yes. <laughs> we're sitting there counting as we're singing the song. <laughs> I guess Whenever. No <laughs> I guess there was so, no timer in this game. <laughs> no, there's not. There's no timer at all. So, and actually it's funny in the rules, they say, uh, we're, you're boomers. You don't, you, you don't need to be constricted by time. Take all the time that you <laughs> need to try to get these right. I like that. So anyway, that is boom again, a, uh, a trivia game for hey, if you're in that age group, which we're not, y'all. Tony and I are Gen Xers, so and I proved it with the trivia of this game was, and when they started asking stuff from the '50s, I was right out. So it's one of those things where I think it's hit or miss. Anytime you play one of those trivia games, I mean, I I would enjoy um, borrowing that from you at some time and trying it with my mom mm-hmm. and aunt and uncle and see how well they do, see what their recall is, because I'd be in the same boat as you. I would have, even song lyrics, I would say, well, the 11th word is this, and it's not going to be the correct lyric because I get lyrics to songs wrong all the time. So I messed up that way. But from the standpoint of, he's counting on his fingers throwing me off, but that's okay. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure I had the right words. Anyway, go ahead. And this reminds me somewhat of a game uh, that Ted Osbach uh, designed called America. And that was the game where you had, like, get as close as you could to the answer. Those type of trivias I, I like, where, oh, uh, you know, so Kennedy ran against uh, Nixon in what year? And you had a track of years. And people would put their answers down, and you could kind of figure it out. Funny you mentioned that, because I just got back from Funkay Town in Knoxville, Tennessee, where Bessie A. Games was there, and Ted Allspock was there, mm-hmm. and got to hang out with him for a bit, and he showed us a new game that's going to be coming out on Kickstarter soon that I can't talk about. Okay. <laughs> he said, please just don't say anything about it. I, I will say it is more on the, I think this is fair. It's more on the lighter side. It's okay. not mag, it's not maglev Metro style. It's more on the other side, okay. but it's a new game that's going to be coming out. And as soon as it's announced, I can talk about it because I got to play it and everything and actually got my name as a play tester. So my name is going to be in the rule book. So yay. yay hey, fun. I got mine in one. You got yours in one. Nice. There you go. There you go. Uh, so anyway, it was fun hanging out with him and uh, playing some games that, that we played a game called so clover yes we have that we have that you got that dude that's good okay well i'm glad you enjoyed it okay yeah so i didn't know we had it so repost games yeah that's who makes it yep yeah um it came in one it came in with one of the things and you threw it at me so here i said okay i'll learn how to play it enough well maybe i need to give you get that back to me because that'd be a fun thanksgiving maybe we need to trade i'll give you the boomer boom okay. again and you give me so clover because that was a, that was a really clever game so anyway uh Bessie games uh we love the games maglev metro an amazing game and i said is expansions going to be coming out with that and he just went like come on come on <laughs> so we're probably going to see more from that game uh in the future also, another game that I just played today that's going to be coming out on Black Friday from Button Shy Games, who's known for like little solo games like Sprawlopolis, has a new game called Rove coming out. This is a little wallet or little pocket card game that is essentially a puzzle. You've got these modules that you put out on the table in a two by three grid, and you have a deck of cards that tells you uh, gives you a number of moves that you can make with these modules because there's a pattern that you need to make with these modules. So you draw a random card and put it on the table. And it says, 
This puzzle is completed when you get the cards oriented the same way as what's shown on this picture. And what happens is, is you have cards that say you can have this number of moves to make and each module moves differently. One module, one card, or I'm calling a, a module, a card a module, which is what it is. You can move one card, one space. You can move this card, but it must move over another card. This card pushes another card. So each module has its own little rule for movement. And your goal is to try to solve seven puzzles before your deck runs out. So when you solve a puzzle, you draw another card from the deck, put it down. That's your new pattern that you need to create. And the goal is to do that before all the cards run out. It is a simple to play solo game, but very, very thinky. So if you like puzzle style games, and this is almost like, it's not tile placement, but it's card sliding and, and manipulation and finding clever ways to, uh, to be able to get the cards in a certain position with as minimum number of moves as possible. Keep an eye out for button shy games. Again, it's going to be announced and available to buy. This isn't Kickstarter or anything on Black Friday. It's called Rove, R-O-V-E. Now, we are being very efficient in this episode. One, because last episode, as I've already pointed out, went two hours too long. And so I'm trying to condense Marty down. And also, we know that people have been exercising, waiting for the first game, and we greatly reduced your exercising. So we're going to just keep moving right along. But there is one thing that I know Marty wants to bring up. I think oh that God. he has a bone to pick on or a bone, whatever that expression is. You don't get a bone to pick on. <laughs> I chew on a bone. Give me a good T-bone any day of the week. I'll eat the mm. meat and then chew on. Mm, good old. Mm. Unless good. you're like our good friend, Mark, who says he will not eat meat off a bone. That still floors me. That just. <laughs> I, don't believe, I can't believe it either. He's listening to that. Why are you sharing this? Uh, because it's a story that we, that you gave us. And now we have to share it. We have to. And we're like every Animal has, but yeah, but I don't want them. <laughs> you, you must take the meat off of the bone before I will consume it. Okay. We all have our, we all have our quirks. We do. But speaking of quirks. Oh my gosh. Now I pointed out when this, when we talked about this previously and I defended an inductee into the toy hall of fame as to why it does constitute as a toy. And that is Sand. And Marty's like, I've got things to say. And I've got, well, you just go right ahead. Say what you need to say about why sand, which by the way, is a huge product called kinetic sand, which is sold everywhere. It's 98% sand and 2% magic. So, you know, it, it's a toy, but go ahead, sir. Speak your mind. Well, let's talk about what we're talking about. So this is the Hall of Fame toy inductees that we talked about a couple episodes ago, they announced the winners, and I really should have gone back and see who our picks were. <laughs> you wrote it down. You said you wrote them down. I did, but guess what? It was probably deleted. And uh, so it was none of these. I'll tell you that. Mm -mm. It was the winners were American Girl Doll, Risk, Oh, uh, was Battleship one of them? I can't remember. And uh, then Sand. All right. So American Girl doll, I'm really surprised at that. I know that is a huge, big product, but that's relatively new mm -hmm. to me. Anyway, Risk, I understand why it is. Risk really did create a lot of area control games. I mean, that is kind of your like 
almost your root, your foundational area control game, and a lot of games spawn from that. Yes, give risk credit where credit's due, regardless of my personal feelings towards it. Yes, you're absolutely right. And sand. Sand. Sand is somehow this year's winner of the inducting into the Toy Hall of Fame. Sand. Sand. If a stick can win, so can sand. I guess so. And here's the thing. A lot of people say, well, you can play us. I understand that. But on Discord today, our friend Bert made a very good point. Next year, water had better win. Why he's not? Like, I'm not, I agree. I, know, I thought I thought that would have been stupid. But if we're really going to get on the point where sand wins, then water deserves to win because everybody plays in water. Yeah, Everybody. What is a water balloon without water? Pools, oceans, slip and slide. Well, slip and slide, they say that's the product. Here's the thing. Water is used in a lot of different toys and used for a lot of different things. So next year, water better win. If you're giving it to stick and sand, you better give it to water. So without the products that hold the water, is it a toy? If you don't have a pool, does it constitute it as a like sand? You can use it to make sand castles. Oh, you got really meta on me. I'm not, I don't work for that company. I, I, <laughs> that's good. Current event humor. I like that. Once in a while, well I, done, can, I can pull them out of my nice buns. Very, Once in a very, while. <laughs> very good. No, that is a good point because I started thinking, well, water should win because. Uh, you know, water gun. It's like, well, they just say water gun. So anything I thought of that used water, there was some other thing mm-hmm. that the water was used in. So I, I get that. I, I just, I don't know. I wish for the toys that it would be given credit to somebody. Like this person came up with an idea. And because of this idea, it's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And sand wasn't an idea. It was just a thing that exists after millions of years of erosions of rocks. Don't dispute i understand and i understand their thinking process with stick and sand and anything else is what provided enjoyment to you what did you play with if you just go with play with then yes sand sand castles that's about as far as i can get other than that kinetic sand people can make all kinds of things with that stuff it's a huge toy that people i I never let rebecca because i didn't want to clean it up (laughs) <laughs> you know, it was one of those things you can, um, I mean, you mix water with sand and you've got mud pies. You've, you're playing with your Tonka trucks in a sand box. Yeah. Okay. So it contains like the pool, you know, if you, without it, but even then, if I take a Tonka truck, I can play in the sand with my little truck or my feet as I kick them in the sand at the beach and bury my feet, you know, or you bury mm-hmm. someone in sand. I understand. I agree with you completely that I think it should be toys that are invented, not something that just happens to be either attached to a tree or laying out there, whatever it it won moving on to next year. (laughs) Yeah. Last year, I think we did actually pretty good at picking some of the winners and and this year we just did really horrible. So I guess in 2022, You've had stick, you've had sand. I, I, I don't know what's what's next. What's something just simple out there? People pick up and play. a rock. Might as well do a rock. How many people pick up and throw a rock? So that's funny you should say that. We all know about pet rocks. Mm-hmm. And skipping rocks on a pond. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying, you've opened the door. Rocks might as well win now. Well, I mean, what is rock but just a, a an early form of sand? 
not worn down by water, which should also be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, come on, Hall of Fame. Do better. Hey, I went and saw Dune. I did too. Oh, what'd you think? Did you like it? I'm glad I knew there was a part two where I've been really upset. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's funny going in. I heard that it's like, yeah, if there's not a part two, a lot of people are going to be upset. But it was an amazing movie. I thought uh, seeing it in the theater and the, the cinematic experience and Hans Zimmer did an amazing job with the soundtrack. Well, guess what? If you want to play in that Dune universe, then go check out Dune House Secrets from Portal. This is based on the detective engine where you can play as interacting with the families of Dune and everything like that and with the characters of Dune. He's updated his website. Now the database now has all the detective type series in one website and everything is very easy to manage. So if you really got into the movie or the book, and you want to explore a little bit more of this world, so maybe some side stories and everything like that, then Ignacy has created a wonderful place for you to play in, and that is Dune House Secrets. And hey, guess what? If you don't want to do that, but you got some fan, friends and family out for the holidays, maybe you want to try out Million Dollar Script. Maybe you want to try to pitch a movie to somebody there. Can you pitch movies and come up with soundtracks and acting and everything like that? Then maybe Million Dollar Script is for you, and we really enjoy Dreadful Circus. Played it again over barbecue and just had an amazing time. Brings a lot, a little bit of tension, a little bit of bidding, a little bit of competition between each other. Hey, you know, you know, take my bid. No, 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 take my bid and sticking it to each other. It, Dreadful Circus is definitely one of my hits of 2021. So to find out about all these games, head over to Portal US. Portal game, portalgamesus.com. Tony's looking at me weird. So it's portalgamesus.com, right? Yes. Yes, portalgamesus.com. Now, before we start talking about Zapotec, Tony and I just had a little bit of break, came back. And I noticed as Tony was sitting down, were you putting a shawl over your legs? No, I was not. Does it have a blanket? Yes, it's cold in my house. It's 64 <laughs> degrees up here. All right, old man. He's got... <laughs> it's 64 degrees. <laughs> He's got his little blanket. See, you're sitting, you're, sitting at, you're sitting at your house with short sleeves on. I've got long <laughs> sleeves on. My wife keeps this house at 64 degrees. Why? Is she hot natured? Well, so she sleeps better at night. And basically it comes down to, I'm upstairs and it's just one of those things I know. And she goes, well, do you want me to crank up the heat up there? I'm like, no, for, for the two hours I'm up there, it's not worth it. You know, we're trying to save for retirement, you know, all that good stuff. And so I've got blankets, use them. And my daughter made this for me. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's a cool blanket. Too. She knitted this for me. Look at that. It's warm. Oh, that's nice. That's it's so soft. sweet. It's soft. It's soft and cuddly. I don't know. I just It's just a mental picture that I think people are going to appreciate. All right. So Zappotec. What did I say at the beginning of this show? I don't know. What? We are old. We are proud members of the old people's club. Old man mafia here. All right. All right so Fabio Lopiano. 
I may be pronouncing that wrong, is a designer that I have loved for years now. Going back to Kalimala, which I really, really enjoy because of his action selection mechanic. Game of the year for me, Ragusa, which also just has this really elegant action selection where everybody else gets to do things on somebody else's turn, depending on what's activated. We talked about Merv earlier this year which we liked. And now we get to talk about the brand new game from Board and Dice, Zapotec. Why don't you, I mean, if you're going to do Lorenzo, you could do the same thing with Fabio. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm having a... Uh, yeah, what are you eating? You're getting on me about being <laughs> having a blanket and you're sitting over there chewing down on a high-protein bar... It's fiber, it's high fiber. High fiber bar. You gotta get, gotta get regular, you know? And it's eight o'clock. Your metabolism is shutting down. You're not supposed to eat past eight o'clock. It's only 70 calories. And technically it's nine o'clock because we've done daylight savings time. <laughs> I'm used to it. Okay. Well, you're All right. Mm. So anyway, <laughs> this game, how do you win, Marty? How do you win? Let's, let's just cut to the chase. Victory points. So whenever Fabio comes out of game, I get super excited. Literally, he is becoming one of my all-time favorite designers. There are some designers... When I hear about a new game coming out from them, I want to play it immediately, and he is now on this list. Every game that I've played, well, the last four games of his that I have played, I have thoroughly enjoyed. Will Zapotec be different? Will it be something I finally dislike? Well, let's talk about it and find out. This is a game that plays two to four people. There is a solo mode. plays about 60 to 75 minutes. So for me, that's the type of games that I like from him. I like those games that fall into the 60 to 90 minute range. Merv was just a tad longer. But games like Ragusa, which comes in at 45 minutes, this one a little bit longer, I really like them because it's one of those things that the game could be very thinky, but you're not spending a lot of time at the table uh, uh, playing it and it doesn't overstay its welcome. And for me... That's one thing that Zapotec does. It does not overstay its welcome. You got a very colorful board where you got three sections of the board and you're going to have these cards that you play simultaneously against simultaneous actions. I like that. Put them face down and then you turn them up. They're all numbered. The lowest number is going to resolve first. And from there, somebody is going to begin taking their turn. Now, the actions that you do, Tony, I, I, you know, it's a lot of common things that we've seen before, things that you can do on your turn. But to me... As the game goes on, what's interesting is the resource collection part of the game because you can modify the types of resources that you're going to collect based on the type of card that you play. Oh, I've, I was hoping you'd keep going over the rules. I was just going to comment on what I liked and disliked about that. No, you don't like me to go over rules, so we're just going to talk about the gameplay, and as as we talk about it, the rules will kind of come out. Yeah, so, I mean, like with any game, you've got to collect resources that allow you to do other things. You can advance a, a track, yeah, so forth and so on. The way you collect these resources or get enhanced your own player board is by placing a house out there based on the cards you flipped over. This was probably one of the mechanics that I really enjoyed in this game. I liked how these cards dictated where you would build that house or what region you're going to build or where that house can be placed. And you had to balance it against the number based on where you want to go in your turn. Well, everybody's going to say, well, you always want to go first. No, you don't. You don't always want to go first because that can be a bad thing. And we'll get into that later. And it comes at the end of the round. But that to me, Marty, was probably one of the most enjoyable parts of this game for me was 
the strategy behind playing those cards. And which cards you played also was dictated by the in-game scoring. All that tied together. It was all in a nice little neat bow. You had to be paying attention to all of that. These cards that you play, there's there's several pieces of information on the card. We talked about, like you said, the turn order. There's a number at the bottom. The top is the type of resource that you're going to collect. And everybody has a player board of a three-by-three grid. And you have the three basic resources down one side and three basic resources across the top of brick, wood, and stone. And so when you play a card, let's say I play brick, uh, you will either pick a column or row that starts out with the brick and start collecting resources of every tile that's been put on that grid. Now, starting the game, there's nothing there, right? So uh, basically, hey, I want a brick, I get a brick. During the course of your turn, as you collect resources, one thing that you're going to be able to do, along with several other things, is you talked about, Tony, you talked about the card tells you where you can put a house onto the board. And the house where you're going to place it, there's a little token that you're going to pick up and put on your board that will generate resources for you in a future turn. So you said the card that you play will tell you what color region I can go in, which of the three regions I can go, or what type of terrain can I put a house, or what type of house can be built. So if I could only go in the forest, then I pick any one of the three regions, take my house, put it out there, pay the cost to actually take that tile, and then put it somewhere on my board. And let's say I put it in, in the brick row. The next time I play a brick resource card, not only do I collect a brick, but whatever resources are on that tile that I just put in its place. So over the course of the game, this three by three grid is going to fill up with a bunch of different tiles with a bunch of different resources. And then that will determine, ooh, which card do I want to play? Because I need to pull these type of resources this turn so I can take this particular action in order to, like you said, the goal, give victory points. All these cards that are in your hand help dictate where you're going to be placing these tiles because you're going to try to maximize the row column, which based on how you're doing will determine if you can advance on a, some other tracks because of the building requirements. I, I, I'm going to keep saying this very strategic. You've got to be thinking ahead. This game gets over very quickly, faster mm -hmm. than you would want it to. You're like, I'm not done with my three by three grid. <laughs> And that's, and that's what I love about this. I felt the exact same way with Ragusa and Kalimala. I felt like I'm not ready for this game to end because I, there's more things I didn't feel that I way can, about Ragusa. I can't wait for this game to end. Yeah, I know. You, you weren't a big fan of that one. But that's what I love about this. It's like, oh, geez, this game is coming to a close pretty darn quick. I better do something. And so you feel like I need to maximize everything you can every turn because just how fast things go. So on your turn, you, you play the card, you get your resources. Then you could do things called capital actions. Uh, there are these trade actions where you can spend gold in order to get these tokens that can provide you a one-time bonus of like, say, some resources or ongoing effects of like making things cheaper for you. You can also take a pyramid action, which is really important. You also have these pyramids that you can build on the board. And these pyramids, if you have one built in an area, could possibly give you end of game scoring bonuses. And the bonuses can be how many, ever many red houses you built or yellow houses built or how many houses you have in a blue region or the yellow region. Basically, when you build a pyramid, you can take one of those scoring bonuses and put it out there on the board. And the pyramids can be three levels. So even though you build a level of the pyramid, I'll say the base of the pyramid, Tony, you can come behind me and on your turn, add the middle section of the pyramid to that same location, 
which means at the end of the game, you'll get victory points based upon the bonus token that I selected. So that's another one of the actions you could do. And it's very important to do that. And I think that's where I did really well because I was able to get several of my pyramids in, in in-game scoring conditions that got me a lot of points towards the end. And with any of these games, you really should know the in-game scoring. That helps. Mm-hmm. So it's important when you're teaching this game, explain the pyramids, understand that how the, the points can multiply and things like that if you get a chance to play this game. Because some of us weren't paying attention when Marty was talking. We heard blah, 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 build a pyramid, blah, blah, blah. And when we did that, I tried to split how I scored, not realizing the importance of having multiple layers of the pyramid. So that's an important thing. But once again, it comes down to doing the strategic part of the cards and the scoring. Building that pyramid, I need to concentrate my cards. If I'm going to score by region, then I need to establish cards in my hand that let me go to that region and build houses. Very important. And then, then there's these uh, the things you could do on your turn is put a one of your tokens on the ritual cards. These are random cards that also give you victory points at the end of the game. Uh, you can spend resources to put a disc out there. There's the sacrifice action. Uh, where you there's a track on the side where you can uh, spend a priest and sacrifice up to one to five corn to move your token up the track. Every level that you go up, you get some resources, you get some victory points, etc. So multiple ways to use your resources during that phase of your turn in order to position yourself to get some victory points. The final thing that you do is that construction step. There's three different types of buildings plus your palace. There's the village, a temple, and field. And each of them costs certain things. For example, a village is a brick and a wood. Temple is a brick and a stone. And that's where you take one of the houses off of your board, go to the area dictated by the card that you played, place a house on the on the spot, pick up the token that's in this place, and put it on your player board that will generate income in the following turns. Let's be very clear here on this game. I know we don't like to talk about the rules. Yeah, right. You're playing that card. You do capital actions first, which Marty just went over. That's very important because if you spend all your resources doing capital actions, then you cannot build the house, temple, whatever, to pick up that token off the board and put it in your three by three grid, which then in a later turn, you've now lost the ability to produce resources in that row and column when you really needed to. Got to think all that through. How am I, when am I going to pick up my in-game scoring? When am I going to, am I going to concentrate on just doing resource, developing my resource production, and then concentrating on these other capital actions at the end and not worry about it? If I get a chance to play this again, I am going to concentrate in that area. I'm going to say, this is my scoring tile at the end of the game. That's what I'm going to do. Develop that production and then develop on the pyramid and possibly do the other tracks. That's that's the issue when we play these games sometimes, Marty. I think you start seeing, okay, I need to do this, this, this. I've used the term prescriptive, whatever. I don't think that's the case here. I think this is a game where it will be adjusting because based on what other players are doing. It's not, I will always do this. I agree. But you can take the initiative, like for those pyramids, to just like, I really want this particular token to score for me at the end of the game. So you can try to focus this. I got to get a pyramid out there so I can set what the victory point condition is going to be uh, for this particular game. Because there's multiple tokens that can be used uh, for scoring victory points uh, at the end of the game for that pyramid area, but not all of them will be. 
So you got to see what other people do and then and then base your decision upon that. Another way to get victory points, too, and I think this is what you were alluding to earlier, you don't necessarily always want to be first in the turn because at the end of your turn, after you've resolved your card, there's a market of cards out on the board, a new action card that you will take into your hand. If there's four players, there's going to be five cards available. And I will pick up one of those cards to use in my hand next turn. Here's the kicker. There's also an additional bonus scoring at the end of the round based on a card that's on, on the board. It's, it's one of the regular action cards. And let's say it's the, the blue region. Uh, that's what the, the card's representing. Is. And then what it means is for every person who has a house in the blue region, you get two points per house. And that's going to be end of round scoring. Here's the kicker. The last person to go, they're only going to have two cards to choose from. One will go in their hand. The other is the victory point condition card for the end of the next round. So they have a little bit of control about what the end of round scoring is going to be based on which card they leave left over. And Tony, sometimes I found that going last was really useful because then I can make sure, wow, I've got a lot of houses in the forest region and if i can get the last pick i can make sure that the forest houses score the end of next round the danger is those cards can also force you to take a column row column or row where you may not have all your little production so that's the risk of going last so you get to control how the scoring is at the end of the next round after everybody when the people play but if if you wait too long, somebody may take the one that, oh man, I really needed to, I'm, I'm doing the wood production column or row, then I've got issues. If someone takes all that, then I'm stuck. I may not be able to produce a lot next round. Also, these cards that we're playing to determine turn order and production rows, they go back in. They're recycled except for the ones used for scoring. So sometimes certain numbers are, you know, oh man, I hope that one comes up or that high number comes up. Well, it's now being used as a scoring marker. It's gone. It's out of the deck. Lots of stuff to comprehend. It gets over quickly. Five rounds. Basically, once the deck runs out of the cards, it's going to be replaced in the market, which takes about, which takes about, no, it takes five rounds. After that, you're going to do uh, basically end of game scoring. That's where you're going to look at the pyramids that were built and points that you get for uh, where you're the token that's below the pyramid, where it was built, of how many houses you have out there, etc. So again, like Tony said, a lot of way to score points. But to me, what makes this game stand out? One is the action card that you play. I think that's very interesting that it's a multi-use card. It tells you when you're going to go on the round. It going to tells you, tells you which income track you're going to collect income from off your player board that turn and where you can actually build houses that turn. All extremely important. Simultaneously put down, face down, then turned up, resolved from lowest to highest. So between that and building out your income generator on your player board is what I think makes the game extremely unique to me. Very tight. Can't do it all. Come up with a strategy based on the cards you got, and you, and you just got to stick with it until someone messes you up. They don't do what you expect them to do because they suddenly change their mind. You're like, why, why, why would you not top that pyramid off? I don't understand. You just gave them the game. Oh, that was frustrating. That's okay. I'll, I'll forgive them for that. And for me, of all the games that I've played of his, 
I really like the ones that are tight like this. Only stay on the table about an hour or so. So for me, this falls in that category of Ragusa, Kalamala, etc. I probably like this one more than Merv that we covered earlier. Nothing wrong with Merv. Merv was a huge hit. I just like this type of game where it's over before you want it to be over. And that makes me want to play again. You of all people know when a board game stays on the table too long, you get tired of it and you'll move on to the next thing. This game for me is like Ragusa. Like once it was over, I'm ready to set it up again because I know it plays quick. So for me, it's another hit from Fabio. Fabio, please do more. I like these 60 to 90 minute games, tight, lots of decisions, but some really unique mechanics. So for me, it's another hit for me. For me, I would play it again, definitely above Ragusa. And it... (laughs) Fabio, I'm sorry. I, I tried, man. It, look, for for me, it was my game of the year, my friend. It was mm. my game of the year that year. I love Ragusa, and I will play it anytime anybody wants to. Yeah, we put Zapotec on the table for me uh, before that one, and I enjoyed Merv, but like you said, it's a little long for me. Kalimala, I enjoyed Kalimala. Uh, hey, it's it's hit or miss as always. Nothing says a Thanksgiving feast like going to Taco Bell. <laughs> I love that commercial where the where they're in the um, waves, the the girl and the guy, and the um, buoy falls over and goes dong, and she <laughs> flees him and heads to the Taco Bell. That commercial is spot on. So anyway, Ravensburger has come out with the Taco Bell Party Pack card game. Players- <laughs> I just. What? This is, this is a great name. Taco Bell Party Pack Card Game. Looks like you got oh, a, a, a whole uh, a box full of tacos is what you got. But it's full of cards instead. And you are gathering various kinds of Taco Bell menu items to try to satiate the crew that has come in for the midnight munchies. Because we know. Did you say satiate? Satiate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because they got the midnight munchies going on. We don't know why they got the midnight munchies. I was going to say, you know, is this like uh, Harold and Kumar, you know, in White Castle or whatever? That's right. And for as you feed that hungry crowd, you earn victory points through these hidden, actually, they're hidden victory points on these little tortilla chips that you'll later figure out who's got the most victory points. Be sure to check it out. That is Ravensburger Taco Bell Party Pack Card Game. Everybody knows that Tony enjoys his deck builders. He enjoys Ascension. He, I mean, he just, you know, constantly can't get enough of that game. So I was very excited when Renegade sent us two new deck builders. G.I. Joe. Go, Joe. T.C. Petty III, right there. He designed that one. And then we got Transformers. Robots in disguise. Roll out. Uh, it's not Rawhide. It's Rollout. It is. Right? Rollout, okay. yeah. Yeah. By Dan Blachett and Matt Hira. So I'm going to go over the rules Tony style. And I'll do the same. I'll do try to do Tony style for the others. Yeah, I can do them both in Tony You're going style. to do them both. All right, here, here you go. Y'all, here we go. This is, this is exciting. Uh, this is going to go quick. So if you're at two times speed, slow down to at least one and a quarter right now because this is going to go really quick. All right, both of them, they're deck builders. Have you played a deck builder? 
The only difference is G.I. Joe, you got some dice, Transformers, you got a really cool market grid, and you're trying to kill some Decepticons and get victory points. Put them in the vault so you get so you can win that game. G.I. Joe is a co-op. You're trying to keep Cobra from taking the threat level to red zone or have the Cobra Battalion run out of people that he can't throw at you anymore. Or better yet, your deck runs out when you're trying to recruit other Joes. You've wiped them out. Attrition has gotten to you. You win G.I. Joe by surviving against those three conditions. I thought you win G.I. Joe by completing the story campaign. Well, we failed the story campaign. You got to well, make I'm just it saying, but you, but you win by going through those whole deck of story cards, going correct? through all nine story cards. You ain't going to do it. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> wow. Yes, you will do it. That just doesn't, it just means we haven't done it successfully yet. That's right. People can do it. And, and Transformers, it's all about victory points and you have a hard decision to make um, whether it goes into your hand or or into the vault, or but that Decepticons can't. But that's a whole other thing. We'll get into the details of that. Let's talk about G.I. Joe first. Once again, deck builder. You're going to build a deck. You're working co-op to try to beat the missions. And when you go on a mission, the thing we need to talk about are the dice. So, <laughs> again, the idea is that you're supposed to complete uh, the story missions. And the story missions will say, hey, Here's the goal. Here's the number goal that you have to meet in order to uh, succeed at this mission. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't, there's there's fail conditions if you don't if you don't uh, meet that. And what I thought was neat was Tony was GI Joe has a lot of vehicles, and there are these vehicle cards. You start with one on the table, and it says, "Hey, here's how many Joes this vehicle can hold." And when you go on a mission, you're gonna put pick a vehicle and you're gonna put a Joe in there. But then since it's a co-op, other people can add their Joes if there's room in that vehicle for them to go on that mission. And then once you got that vehicle full, it's time to go tackle that mission. And I think that's where the dice come in, right? That's where they come in. Now there's story missions where people can help you and there's side missions mm. where you only you and your Joes can go on. You still got to do the vehicle. So the, I, I like that. The vehicles gave you benefits and they gave you capabilities beside that from the deck. And I like how the whole vehicle concept was handled in this game. It was kind of interesting, but you're right. You've got the Joes out there. There's various things. There's stealth, marksmanship, vehicles. They can add to the dice pool that you're going to be rolling. And on these dice, a success is a star. One side has two stars. Two sides have a single star. And the other three sides have misses. So you're saying that uh, you have a 50% chance to miss on a roll. Yes. Unless you're playing with us, then I'm going to say you have a 90% chance. 100% agree. I thought Joes were supposed to be able to hit things. I wish we had been filming our game sessions because it was absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) All we saw were circles on dice, which was misses. I mean, we would be rolling pools of four and five dice, four circles. Five circles. I mean, I always started wondering, are these dice loaded? Because this makes no sense at all at how bad we were rolling. And obviously, when you go on a mission, whether it be a story or a a side uh, mission, the number of hits, there's a certain goal. You need a certain number of hits in order to defeat somebody or, or move the story along. And if you don't, let's say we're trying a group story mission and we need to get four successes and we get four. Well, great. There's, hey, you passed. Good things happen. Oh, you fell. 
bad things happen, move on to the next story mission, and you're, we're really going to pound you for failing that one because there's these other cards called complications. Complications that get added to these story missions that must be resolved. Sometimes they give you side quests that you have to do. Sometimes it's just like, oh, let's move the event marker or the tracker uh, up one towards the, towards the end goal of, the, of them winning, of Cobra winning. It was brutal. I mean, and so if you're not rolling dice well like we didn't, things Ooh. just compound. It's like a snow it was a snowball down a hill, man. It was bad. We could not stop that snowball from moving. Uh, something to point out, you either succeed or fail, and the mission goes away. It's not like yeah. you've got to try it again. It, it's gone. It's out of play. You don't have to worry about it. And, and some things that the complications do is they bring in some of the Cobra leaders, Zartran, Deathstroke, Cobra mm-hmm. Commander, the Baroness. They come out, make things harder for you uh, because, you know, well, that's what they do. And I was just, I, I, I did get to play it solo. And the dice, and I posted this. It was like the <laughs> dice. <showed> picture. <laughs> I was like, hey, I won the first mission. That's the only one I passed. I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, this is unreal. But I will say, so he plays one to four. For this game, Marty, I think it plays better with people. I enjoyed the solo. I enjoyed this mm-hmm. game. I, I did, even though the dice yeah. hated me. I enjoyed this game. But I did find like today I got into a situation in the solo mode where I could not defeat the mission because it needed special tactics or special um, requirements in order to go on that mission. You can always So for example, you're talking about like recon vehicles, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And then Joe's had certain skills, right? So if the skill matched uh, what the mission required, then uh, you got to add their additional bonus in there. Otherwise, they only added one die to it. But if it matched you would get the number of die that was indicated for that skill on the Joe card. Right. So the Baroness was out. I couldn't defeat her because I didn't have the right skill set. The The mission that was out didn't have the right skill set. So even if I laid down four of uh, my leader and three Joes and took the vamp out because the only vehicle I had didn't match those skill sets, I was destined for doom. You know what I thought was interesting too, and you mentioned this earlier, was one of the lose conditions. Uh, so you got the market of cards out there, which is, Typical in a, in a lot of deck builders, there's like, what, six cards out there. But there are some complications that will cause you to take Cobra cards and put them on top of cards in the market, making them unavailable to you unless you went and fault that card that was on top of the card on the market in order to get to the one underneath. But one of the lose conditions was if all six cards are covered with Cobra cards, that's an instant lose. So not only do you have less cards to choose from the market, it's also a way to trigger the end of the game where you lose. The Cobra Battalion cards, you're absolutely right. And that's part of the threat track. A Cobra Battalion comes out or whatever. And if you have to place the sixth one, because there's only five Cobra Battalions, I guess attrition is tough in the battalion, then, <laughs> then you've got, then you lose. If you can't place the sixth one, you, you lose. So you have to manage that. So you're having to go on these side missions. You're having to deal with these precision strikes that are side missions that can get assigned to you. You're having to deal with the story missions because at the end of the round, you know, the threat marker moves up and more cards come out and it can snowball, like you said, very quickly. So GI Joe, I personally enjoy doing it, even though Anytime a co-op beats me down like that, if it's going to continue to beat me down, then it's going to find itself at the Mega Moose Con garage sale. Mm-hmm. But I have faith. 
I have faith that I'll get in the synergy that we're working through this, that we'll, I'll be able to beat this game. And I'll, I'll, I don't like easy ones. So I think this is a good, good complicated game for me. It's a good complications. So that that's GI Joe TC Petty, the third looking forward to possibly an expansion. I hope this does well. That will keep adding more vehicles, more special abilities, more rifles. That's what a deck builder brings to it. More missions, more stories. That's, that's where they're going with this. Now, Let's jump over to the other 80s cartoon that you and I didn't get a chance to really watch. Now, it's interesting. When I first heard that we were going to get copies of G.I. Joe and Transformers from Renegade Games, I immediately thought, oh, it's the same deck building game with two different themes. I thought, once you learn how to play one, you'll be able to play the other because it's the exact same game. It's not the case because, again, they're designed by different people. This is not designed by Dan Blanchett and Matt Hira. And this game is totally different than G.I. Joe. Number one, it could be co-op or competitive, whereas G.I. Joe was only co-op. Now, since we played the co-op version of G.I. Joe, we said, let's do competitive. Again, uh, typical deck builder, you start out with 10 basic cards, you draw five cards, you play your cards, you resolve your cards. But what's interesting is in the middle of the table is a grid. Based on the number of players of how big it's going to be, let's just say it's a four by four grid based on a certain number of players and it plays up to five players. These cards are put face down in the market and you have a standee that represents your transformer. And again, in typical transformer fashion, you can be in the alternate side or the Autobot side. Uh, when you're in the outside and the vehicle side, it gives you a lot of additional move where if you're on the other side, it's going to give you a lot of additional fight. And why is move important? Because when your standee is out on the grid and you start playing cards from your hand, what you do is actually move around on the grid. You move orthogonal to cards that are out there. And if you're just starting the game, the entire grid is face down. When you move on to a card, you can spend a one of your move resources. You, you Your cards generate move resources unless you're on the vehicle side and you automatically get a couple move resources right there. So let's say I got two. I can spend one to move to a card, spend another one to flip the card over. Now, one of two things will happen here. This could be a card, it's an Autobot card, that maybe I want to purchase. And there's a certain cost, and if you have enough of the energy energy source to be able to buy that card, you buy it, you take it, and then it's just like a regular deck builder at that point. However, there's also a Decepticons uh, in the market deck and in this grid. And if you flip over Decepticon, uh-oh, boom, you're ambushed. There's a card that you draw from an encounter deck that tells you what happened if you're ambushed. Sometimes uh, maybe take some damage or maybe nothing happens. But then at that point, you can choose to fight the Decepticon. And again, that's done by exceeding the energy value of that Decepticon, just like you would have buying a card. But this time, if you do, at the very bottom of the card, it says, hey, you get some victory points. You get some stuff. Great. Take it and put it in your vault. Because the goal of this game is the person with the most victory points at the end wins. That's how this whole game is played out. You're going to play cards. You're going to move around in the matrix. You're going to reveal cards. You're going to buy cards to enhance your deck. You're going to fight against Decepticons in order to generate victory points based on what's at the bottom of the card. And the way the game ends is there's three big Decepticon bosses in that market deck. Once the third one is defeated, the game is over. But Tony, what I like is, is that even though this is competitive, you can assist other people. 
And on big bosses, you probably want people to assist you because there's it's harder to beat a boss because he's tougher. And if for those who assist, also get those victory points too. Now, typically in competitive game, you wouldn't want anybody to help you out on a regular Decepticon. Hey, I can take care of that myself. However, if you've ever taken any damage in the course of the game, there's a damage card that you actually have in play. For every damage card that you have, somebody can play an assist when you take on somebody and you must resolve their assist card. And if they help you defeat the Decepticon, they also get the victory points for it. So you taking damage opens up the opportunity for other people to come and assist you and take a part of your spoils. And for this game, this felt more true deck builder to me. And just mm-hmm. be, just based on how it is. And I got to go back to something I forgot in GI Joe later. So I'll, I'll remember it. Unlike where we did in the last episode where people forgot their thoughts all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But for overall, you know, I was like, okay, how is this any different than any other deck builder? The market. That was big. Battling. That was big. And, and there's no dice in this game, by the way. So where G.I. Joe has dice, this is literally, can I play enough cards in order to meet the uh, the value to either one, buy the card or beat the card? The unknown, the fog of war of the cards. Am I, am I going to get ambushed? Can I handle that? If I turn this card over, I may not have the necessary energy to do what I want to do. And as you said, damage, things like that. You got to be careful from that standpoint. Um, if I turn it over, then Marty's after me. He may be able to move there and get that card that I want that I can't buy now. Mm-hmm. So, so all that's the the fog of war. I think has a very special element to this that I think helps um, this game to mm-hmm. to go beyond the normal just buy cards, generate victory points in a normal deck builder. I will say too, there's this other resource did talk about Energon, uh, which are cubes that you get uh, that, that represent special abilities that your transformer can do. And every transformer is unique. And that maybe it says, Hey, you can spend an Energon here in order to do something. Uh, so this is additional pool of resources that you have that you can use to, uh, you can generate Energon and then spend Energon for doing things like maybe flipping, uh, well, if you want to flip from one side to the other, you spend Energon uh, to flip from the alt side to the um, the Transformer side, the Autobot side. And uh, then there's other special skills that you have. You can buy cards that you can uh, spend Energon on to activate additional abilities. So yeah, that's another pool of resources to manage um, as you play this game. Enjoyed it. I love the Matrix. That was kind of cool. I'm waiting for the expansion for Decepticons that will make it sort of a versus game. <laughs> Can we talk about the confusion that was generated for us from this? So here's the thing. Yeah, reading is fundamental and so is uh, punctuation. Uh, yeah, reading or reading the back of the box, actually. So the Decepticons look exactly like the regular Autobot cards, meaning aside from the text at the bottom, which gives you victory points, they have regular abilities like, well, if I play this Decepticon card, it does stuff for me. So we were extremely confused. It's like, wait a minute. Can I buy Decepticons and add them to my deck? Because they have the skills on the side. So it's just like a deck builder. Oh, that's right. They have all the other skills. Like, oh, uh, your um, your bots have uh, like a range ability and move ability, et cetera, also on them and a couple different stats on there. So we were very confused. It's like, oh, hold on. Let's go read the rules. And there's this whole thing on adversaries. Autobots are always adversaries against Decepticons. Okay. But then why does it look like I can buy them? And Autobots 
had victory points on him as well. What well, can I, how do I defeat an Autobot and put him in my vault? He's got victory points. I don't understand. Everybody's got victory points. So Bert, who played with us, is a big Transformers fan along with his son. So he took the game with him and started playing. And he took a picture of the back of the box and said, oh, by the way, it mentions here that, yeah, look for future expansions where the Decepticons come into play. So then I, I would have pictured then, Tony, I would say it's teams, right? It would be Decepticons versus Autobots at that point, right? Or maybe just playing as Decepticons. We don't know. But that's why that is the case is because, oh, this is for future expansions going to be coming out. Right. And it was Bert's son pointed it out. It's dad's right here on the back of the box. Why are you being so? And there's also other cards in there. There's relic cards uh, that can go into your discard pile. They're very expensive, but they have great abilities. And you got to decide when do I move those to my vault because they can generate uh, uh, victory points. Um, again, I was talking, we was talking to Bert and how his son and them play. And it's, it's when you go up against the boss, you're probably going to need assists in order to help uh, uh, defeat the boss. So, the game only supposed to take 60 to 90 minutes, uh, which may seem a little long for a deck builder game. It's probably one of those games that uh, would go quicker as you played. Oh, and by the way, in the in the co-op version, it works a lot of the same way, except there's co-op schemes that are also part of the market deck that come into play. But then at that point, you want everybody assisting you, where in this case, you really don't want other people's assisting you. In co-op, you really uh, want them to. So Tony, two totally different style of deck building games using the basic deck building mechanics, but they play totally different. Absolutely. And the thing I forgot about GI Joe, which was a, one of the things was when you buy from the market, it goes on top of your deck, which I completely forgot today, which mm -hmm. may have helped me out a little bit on playing solo. Now there's one thing about deck builders that we always mention on the show. That is another way to gauge for me personally is deck culling, how you call the deck. It has to be there. It has to be a good mechanic in it. And for G.I. Joe, when you take a normal starter card, a Go Joe, you don't need another card to cull it. If there's a normal basic Joe on a mission and you succeed in that mission, no matter it's side story or a big story, you can then cull him. You can get him out. He's done. He has served his time in the military and he has been retired from military service. It's right there. It's quick. It's fast. I like that a lot in a deck culling. Transformer, I never got to cull, but I don't know what. So I, I can't speak to that. I don't know, Marty. Did you see any culling? Yeah, one way was one of your starter cards had a way where you could spend Energon in order to get rid of a card out of your deck. And also some of the Decepticons, when you beat them, they had a reward of being able to call a card. I think we would have played this game a lot faster had we not gotten lost on our adversary. Yeah, that, that really threw us because as gamers were going, this really looks like a card that we can buy. And I don't know how many times we were like, hand me the rule book, hand me the rule book, hand me the rule book. <laughs> so we were like, what are we missing here? It was just, we I mean, the, the rule, we did. Because the rules do say, um, Decepticons are your adversaries. You beat them. That's it. You just beat them. Get the points. Move on. It's just like we were smart enough to be able to expand this game beyond the core and we're prepared to do that, basically. Yeah, smart enough. You keep telling yourself that. My, my expression was, you idiots. We said it right No, no, here. no. The designers were yeah. smart enough yes. to design a game that's expandable. We're the idiots. Yes, we were not. We were trying to expand it before it was time to expand it. Right. So for, for me, enjoyed them both. I think I enjoyed G.I. Joe more, even though the dice were brutal. 
And maybe I might be getting a Sharpie and where there's a circle, I might be putting a black little star <laughs> on them periodically. I don't know. Uh, maybe TC Petty the third, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, message him and say, dude, what were you thinking? 50% failure. Come on. These aren't stormtroopers. They can actually hit things. And for me, uh, I'm, I'm very impressed that they didn't take the easy way out and just basically slap two different IPs on the same game. Very well done. There's been, there would be some companies that would be lazy enough to do um, something like that. And for me, I actually, and I don't know, they're, they're both unique, but I may be partial to the Transformers because I really love that Matrix. The, the map that your, your Transformers moving around the map and it's that fog of war, like you said, Tony. Oh, and by the way, when a card is purchased, uh, another card goes down in its place. So every time you resolve a battle, a card goes away. You just replace it with another one. So the matrix is always out there to be able to move around and uh, interact with. Again, nothing mind-blowing as far as basic deck building. You got 10 cards, you draw five, you resolve five. But it's everything else that's involved around the game and I think they did a really good job of taking these two unique themes and integrating them into two unique games. That is Transformer deck building game, G.I. Joe deck building game from Renegade Games. So do y'all like advent calendars? You know those little things where you have going up towards the holidays, Christmas, you can like open little things on the little box and get little treats and everything like that? Well, guess what? Haba has what they call my first advent calendar. With this advent calendar, there's 24 lovingly designed and elaborately printed wooden figures, including 24 magical Christmas stories that shorten the waiting one chapter at a time. Nothing better than having your little kids get up each morning and you open the little window on the little advent calendar and you get a little little wooden animal out of it that you can talk to them about. The, the 3D play backdrop has a lot of details on it to discover. And the first, and it's basically a countdown of 24 days to Christmas. And then basically, I love this slogan. The first 24 days looking forward to Christmas, then 365 days of playing fun because you can have all those little wooden tokens and play with the animals and have the little box to put them back in and everything like that. So if you're looking for a really cute advent calendar for your children or, or your young ones, you really need to go check this out. Haba makes incredible products for kids, not just games and puzzles and, and learning activities, but also this brand new first advent calendar. It's only $39.99. I'm sure your kids love bothering you each and every morning. Mom, 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 can I please go open the advent calendar now? Can I please go? Oh my gosh, I'm still asleep. No, please, mom, let me go. Y'all know how it is with small kids, right? So anyway, get up with them, have some fun, open the little window, see what little wooden surprise is behind there and enjoy your countdown to Christmas Day. Again, this is Haba with my first advent calendar. Marty, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh -oh. I love putting you on the spot. I love, so here's the thing, y'all. <laughs> like when literally, we just sat down, and the first thing out of my mouth, I'm going to put you on the spot. When, we, when I hit the record, she said, let me start. I went, oh, no. Okay. Put me on the spot. <laughs> 
All right. When it comes to music, yes. Think of the boys. When they get older, they're going to tell their children. There's one thing about my mom and music. She would always play... 80s music. Exactly. <laughs> we should play code names together. <laughs> well, we have, and uh, I can't remember, but we probably lost. <laughs> but yes, y'all, I love me some 80s music. Mm-hmm. I love 80s music. So in the 80s also, did you roller skate? Uh, no, I did that in the 70s. Okay, well, we're not that old. <laughs> I was. I, you were roller skating in elementary school. Yes, yes, I for was. Real? Yes. What about like junior high and high school? Maybe it took that long for roller skating to get popular <laughs> down in Mississippi. Elementary and uh, middle school. And in fact, you remember I pointed out the place to you in our yeah, our local I town that, Monroe. But I I thought that you were older than elementary school. I don't know why that cracks me up. I learned how to skate to young. See little elementary school Marty skating. Maybe that's remember? why I can't. Roller skate. I do not roller skate very well at all. It had had to do. It was during the whole disco time with the roller skating in the seventies. Well, I my memory is well. We were. I was in junior high or high school, and I would hear do 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 do. And I would see. Well, that was in the seventies, wasn't it? Did uh, oh, you take me to Funky Town? If we're wrong, you have to pay the five dollars. Oh, I don't know when it came out. <laughs> I Somebody's think, gonna be getting some money fu- today. I think Funky Town was late seventies, but that would have been played. It probably it, it was. still it would have been played at the at the skating rink. Let me tell you. Oh. So I could hear that song and then see the people crossing their leg over around the curve of the rink, and I could never do that. I was one of those people that I had to just like keep pushing, and so it goes ear, 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 around, and they were just put their foot over and glide across. So you and I have roller skated together before. We Years have? ago. Yeah. And I remember you said you never learned how to cross over. We took the boys. Yes. The, and, and you said you never, yeah, I, and I I thought, never learned. You never learned how to cross over. No, no, no. I would bring my right leg over that left and boosh. <laughs> Maybe that's why I have trouble with my left hip today. <laughs> you got to learn how to cross over if you want to roller skate. Oh, that, well, it's, uh, I don't want to learn how to roller well. skate now. <laughs> But you know what I do want to learn? Oh, what's that? How to play a lot of board no. games. And you know the place to go to do that? Do you know the place to go to do that, Marty? Oh, where is that? Fun K Town. Crossover and glide. <laughs> or and crash. Oh. <laughs> so I know what she's doing. I can picture with her with her right foot pushing off as she goes around in a corner. It took me half the song to get around one corner. I went one time around the rink per song because it took me so long to get around the corners. <laughs> Oh gosh. So everybody's like, what are y'all talking about? We went to a convention in Knoxville called Fun K Town. K for Knoxville. K for Knoxville. Fun K Town. And Mm -hmm. uh, this was their very first event held at a a hotel in in Knoxville. Vanessa and I went, had about 110 people or so, a little little small get together. And we had a really, really good time. I thought it was a great first little con for them. Oh, it was. I was so surprised when they said it was the first year. I was so surprised. Very nice hotel, Hilton 
on Paper Mill, because I like that name, mm-hmm. Paper Mill Drive. They had a very nice room, had um, large TV screens with stuff uh, popping up, telling some of the sponsors. And like I looked up and I and I saw Marty Connell and I was like, what? <laughs> Yes, that we were guests. They invited us to come and hang out. Tony couldn't make it, and I, Vanessa said, oh, I'm in there. <laughs> and so we went and we had a uh, fantastic time. Like I said, they had a, a big board game room. They had play to win. Uh, I did a couple events called the Game of the Hour where uh, they advertised, hey, if you want to know how to play, for example, the ones I did was Azul and Codename. No, not Codenames. Yeah, uh, I think it, it was. was. Codenames. Yeah. Never mind. It was Codenames. And uh, so you showed up at that hour, you sat down, and you got uh, taught how to play a game. And it was great teaching Azul to three tables who had never played it before. So they were running those events all, all weekend long. And then they just had open tables with a lot of games where people sat down and played. And, real quick, Bezier Games is based in Knoxville. And they were there, so I got to hang out with Ted Allspock for a little bit. The owner of Bezier Games and designer of a lot of games, like uh, a lot of the werewolf games. And tell us who coordinated the convention. Uh, Mike Randolph is the one that coordinated it and is the one that invited us. Fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Mike Randolph. That was awesome. To Mike and, and the other people that helped him put it together. He probably has some help. And uh, again, it was a great event. It was kind of just his launch. Can we get some interest in this? And I think there's enough to where he said, all right, we're already planning for next spring. And he's looking at bigger venues. He's like he had he kind of had to cap it because of the size of the room, and he feels like okay now I know that there's enough interest I could probably get a bigger venue. And I've already told him I said please let us know when you're going to schedule because we'd like to go back. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. You said schedule a bigger venue because he had to cap it because of course there's COVID going on and wanted it to be safe. And I actually didn't feel too well the weekend, so we got in on Friday and I felt good. Pretty good Friday, and we got in a couple of games, but pretty much the rest of the weekend, I just didn't want to to be around people too much, so I really do hope they have it in the spring so I can go back and play a lot of games. And I know he's a part of a larger gaming group, and I can't remember the name of it right now. I apologize, mm. but yeah, they, um, they're they awesome people there. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And we got to go out some... Eat some real good restaurants. It was a great location. Yeah. Right off the interstate. Lots of good restaurants around. Yeah. And so if you're interested, again, there's a lot to do. If you don't want to sit at the, at, at the convention all day long, the downtown area was nice. We went to a market downtown, which mm-hmm. was nice on Saturday morning. Uh, lots of nice restaurants. They got some good local food there and everything. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. We'll announce it when it's going to be coming back around. Tell us the name of it again, Marty. Fun K-Town. do 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 Y'all, that was unrehearsed. (laughs) Hey, I got to say something else about them. You know how you always get your lanyard and your badge at a convention? Mm -hmm. They had, this probably has been somewhere else before, but I just haven't seen it. So the badge itself had holes punched in either corner. Mm -hmm. So when you clipped it on, it didn't flip around. And I told him, yes, because I actually told him that. I said, thank you, because most places punch a badge right in the middle, then give you a lanyard strap with only one connection point. Yeah, yeah. So then it flips. They gave us lanyard connection straps from Bezier Games that had clips on both ends. Yep. So that it wouldn't flip over. Brilliant. And it had very, very unique design with 70s colors, 70s feel. In fact, you asked about a t-shirt, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. It, it's a great logo for a t-shirt. And while we were there... Well, it was on Friday night. Yes. We played... Yes. Savannah Park. <laughs> Bye. 
And now I'm pointing at him he's so drink, he'll say drinking, who it's by. She's drinking coffee, y'all. I think she's got some caffeine going on no, over it's here. it's decaf. Oh, okay. Well, I don't, I don't, she's no, just, I'm Christmas decorating. She's hot. Oh, that's it. <laughs> she is in the pro. She just finished the basement and, and Christmas is all about, y'all. <laughs> Trees all are coming. All, trees are coming out. In fact, we've already got the nine foot sitting over there that I'm staring at. It's just not decorated yet. Look at y'all. One of the nine foot trees that'll be going up in the room. Crazy. All right, that's another. That's another. That's a whole another time. That's you're, for December. You're going off on a squirrel. All right, here we go. Savannah Park, which is from speaking of animals, uh, Deep Print Games, and it's published by Capstone Games with very popular designers Wolfgang Kramer and Michael Kissling. It plays one to four players. I don't know, maybe 30 to 45 minutes. And this is one of those games to where it's extremely simple rules, but very, very thinky. Everybody has a player board. And on this player board is a hex grid. And you get 30-something different tiles, all unique tiles with six different types of animals and different combinations. You have tiles from one to three of each animal. For example, you got a tile with one giraffe, two giraffe, three giraffe, one ostrich, two ostrich, three ostrich, etc. And then you got some combinations of animals. For example, maybe you got like a zebra and a rhino together. And then you have some tiles that have watering holes. It's the picture of an animal with a watering hole. Your goal in this game is, as Tony would say, just put down tiles and get the most victory points. That's how he tells rules. <laughs> well, it's kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is it is what you do. <laughs> but I bombed this game because you really do. It is as simple as that. You just move your tiles and set your tiles down, but you're trying to make the largest herd mm -hmm. of one type of animal. Correct. Of each type of animal. Of each type of animal. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes. Yeah. Each of the... Six animals. Six animals you're trying to make... A, the longest herd with each of those animals. Mm -hmm. And a herd is basically considered tiles that are touching each other. And they have to have a watering hole. At least one watering hole. And when you set up the game, you randomly put the tiles on the board. They just say, shuffle them up and start putting them all over the place. And then uh, one player will say, okay, we're going to move, for example, the three ostrich tile. Everybody simultaneously picks up the three ostrich tile from wherever it currently is on the board and moves it to another open spot. At the beginning, there's going to be some open spots on the board that you can move to. You move it there, you flip over the tile, and that's the last time that tile will move the entire game. <laughs> and on your board, you have some grass, some hexes with grass, some with trees, and some with fires. Mm -hmm. There's one tile with one tree on fire. There's one with two. There's one with three. So when you're laying your tiles down, you cannot have a tile with one animal beside the one bonfire or it will get. Yep. At the very removed. end of the, during the scoring phase, you're going to look around each of those tiles. Uh -huh. For example, look around the double fire tile. And if, if there's, there's any a, tile that has mm -hmm. two animals on it, it's out of the game before you even score it. Yep. So you have to be careful with your one, two, and three fires. If you have any grass sections left, you get a point for those at the end. If you have any tree sections left, you get points for those at the end. Mm -hmm. And then for each of the animals, you're going to look for the largest number of connecting tiles with the same animal on it. Count the number of water holes in that herd and multiply that by the number of that type of animal. So if there were five elephants and two water in those tiles, you get 10 points for the elephants. And that sounds very simple. Oh, you yeah. randomly lay your tiles out. <laughs> yep. 
you you have you know a couple spaces that you want to look at to avoid, and then that's exactly how you do your points at the end. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, is it. That is very simple. Then why my brain hurts. <laughs> then why in the world is it when we were playing? It was like, hold on a second. This is going to take me a second. It well, literally... why in the world are you like fifty hundred thousand points ahead of me, <laughs> or more than me? Fifty hundred thousand. The, the scoring in this is crazy, y'all. Again. So simple. <laughs> Somebody on their turn says, "Everybody, pick up and move mm-hmm. this one particular tile." Again, they're mm-hmm. all very, they're all unique, and uh, everybody simultaneously plays. Now, if you've listened to this show for a while, you know from me, I love games with simultaneous player action because there is zero downtime. You are playing on everybody. Except when it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Even when it's your turn, you're telling me what to do. We're still playing yeah. on other people's turns. And, and that's what I like. It may take some time to figure out where to move that tile. And by the way, you can't leave it where it came from. It must move oh, yeah. to a new location. Mm-hmm. So during the course of the game, you're trying to plan, well, I'm going to try to put a zebra herd on this side of the board. And maybe I'll try to work in an elephant herd over here. And if I can get lucky and get the tile with the elephant and zebra tile, it's, it's on the same tile, and have them connect in both of those, that gives me even more points. Yeah, and then somebody says, let's move the tile with all six animals, and you're not ready to move that tile. And then... <laughs> There's one tile that has all six animals plus a watering hole, which makes it a good central tile to connect other animals to. Yeah, very simple. Yeah. Yeah. But good, isn't it? <laughs> it's excellent. So we played it twice. We played it with three people, and then we played it just the two of us. And it really does move. I think four players would still move just as fast. It would I be. think, yeah. It is a great moving game. The first thing I told Marty is this is one of those great games when you just want to pull out, have something, um, maybe, what did we say it was, 30, 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. And, and you have to think. Your brain hurts after it. We actually played it while we ate lunch. Yeah. It doesn't take up a lot of table space. We're just sitting there eating a, I don't know, what do we have? It was a ham, onion, No, that was sausage. Sausage. Sausage, green pepper, onion on a plant fiber roll. (laughs) Plant fiber. All right. You're saying it like you didn't like it. It was good. While you're eating it, you were like, man, this is really good. Well, Well, don't be dissing it now. (laughs) We had some kind of ham. (laughs) I'm sorry that we weren't in Knoxville having delicious pimento cheese on some kind of delicious baked cracker thing with sausage. I'm sorry it wasn't that. Oh my gosh, was that not good? We went to this restaurant called Aubrey's (laughs) and we got this appetizer that had homemade pimento cheese and crackers. So we're imagining saltines. No, it, it, it was a big old what, crack. I don't know what it I was. I want to drive to Knoxville, just like wake up on a Saturday, let's go eat at Aubrey's. <laughs> that was good. And it was right behind the hotel. You could walk to it. Yep. Yep. But uh, we digress from Savannah <laughs> Park. <laughs> so Savannah Park, this is, again, brand new game coming out from Capstone. Oh, I didn't know it was brand new. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. All right. Y'all got to go buy Savannah Park. <laughs> yeah. And it says for eight and up easily, right? Oh, very easy. A- again. Yeah, pick up a tile, you place it. Only that—that's it. The strate- the strategery. Wow, I mean, that's the, what was that Bush who said? That strategery um, of this game is 
where you're going to try to create the most points by getting the hurts. And you're right. Sometimes during other people's turns, they make you move a tile that you are just not ready to move yet or have oh. no place for. Yes, that's absolutely what happens. And it's also important to remember, too, you got to make sure that you don't place a tile around one of the particular bonfires that you're going to lose it at the end. Because yeah. I, in the first game we played, I lost a three animal tile because I forgot that was going to happen. And that broke a major chain for me in that first game. The first game, I lost some single animals, but when we played just now, I really concentrated to make sure I didn't lose any animals, but I just didn't have big herds. Savannah Park, um, I tell you, Deep Water has done, Deep Print, let's say Deep Water, Deep Print have done other games like Free Nature and stuff. They're, they're really, they're the line of games from Capstone that's a little bit more approachable. Like, for example, we just played a game from Capstone called Imperial Steam that we'll be covering next episode, Deep deep train game so i love that this company who's known for these really long thinky deep two to three hour euros is coming out with more oh, family friendly yeah, style yeah this is a euro type game there's no luck yeah. to this at all <laughs> you know no. it's very deterministic yeah it's an excellent game excellent so two thumbs up from us y'all <laughs> i don't know why i did that one more time before we go out vanessa what was the name of that convention again fun k Town. When this episode drops, MiniatureMarket.com has already started their mega, super fantastic Expiadali Docious. I know that's not the correct way. Thanksgiving. Expiadali Docious. Super Expialidocious. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. Look That's all you. the words I know. So you could do the boomers and you would uh, get the, <laughs> you would get that, those lyrics correct. What was that? Was that Mary Poppins? What yes, was that, that from? was Mary Poppins. Absolutely. Okay. That was Mary Poppins. But we're on MiniatureMarket.com where they are doing their big holiday Biggest sale, sale ever. Biggest sale. It's Biggest sale. Biggest sale. Matter of fact, in the show notes, I typed it in all capital. Biggest sale ever. 3,500 products. Some are up to 90% off. These are all their magic cards, all their minis, all their board games. It started on November the 9th. So if, if you're listening to this show three weeks, four weeks later, it's probably mostly sold out right now. <laughs> Just saying. And we've seen some early prices, Tony, and they've done a lot of discounting on a lot of games. Yeah, matter of fact, one of the games I bought recently, uh, 5211 Azul. I got it for like seven, and it's even cheaper than that for this uh, sale. So be sure to check out miniaturemarket.com for all these big holiday sales. You never do know when something like this is going to drop or when they're going to add stuff. They're trying to get ahead of all that shipping rush. They're planning ahead for you so that your Christmas or holiday season is well taken care of. Do not delay. Post office here in the States has already said they're not going to be able to handle the volume. So you need to be thinking about this you need to strategize about this take advantage of miniature market and get on that sale as soon as possible take advantage of their 99 dollars shipping that's over at miniaturemarket.com all right i promise this wouldn't be a long one but guess what i think it's going to be a long one because well marty and vanessa talked and you know they, they <laughs> two can just go on and on <laughs> I mean, she carries the show when she comes on here because Marty's lazy. I heard her. I, I would not dispute that. 
But holidays are coming up, so it's very important. As a matter of fact, Donald's already talking to me a little bit about. She goes, you know, you're going on. We're going on vacation. And I said, yes, we are. And she goes, what games are you taking? And I said, well, I'm in a suitcase, so it ain't going to be much of anything. But have you ever gotten in a situation where you're yes. getting ready to go on? I'm sure you've always gotten into a situation where you're going on a trip or you're going on something, and you don't want to haul a whole bunch of boxes. Well, Marty and I were. Lucky enough to get some, and they're not promos or demos, right? They're, they're the, the product. They're the actual product. They're game cases from Gamegenic, which is from Asmodee, and they got a whole new line of cases coming out. Uh, some of the more uh, nicer ones coming out in December. They're very nice. They're, they're, they got the plush velvet feel to them. And, and basically, you can put multiple card games, dice games, tokens, whatever you want in these cases. Um, I've got a 400. And I'm going to tell you something. It's got a dice tray that serves as the cover. It's got little compartments, little drawers that come out where you can put all the components in it. And then, of course, the middle section where you can put cards or whatever else you need there. To me, it's built around condensing down card games, board games, you don't have a place to put a board. So that's one thing about it, you know, where, you know, you could, you'll have to carry that along with you, but at least compresses down like four, you put four boards together into a nice sleeve somewhere and then put those components into these game genic cases to help you get along uh, to go on your trip. So instead of carrying these four big boxes, you're actually carrying one box and four minor boards. Mm-hmm. What's cool is though with that 400 uh, card case, when you look at it, it looks like a regular long box, a regular card box. Mm-hmm. And you would think, oh, when I open this up, it's just going to be a long tray in the middle to hold cards. But like you said, Tony, one end actually has trays for holding dice, tokens, and little drawers that pull out for holding additional dice and tokens. So it's just not cards that it will hold. And then, like you said, the lid turns into a dice tray. And we also got the 600 card version. And this is more like a closer to a square. And this bad boy is just crazy. It also has a removable lid that you can fold the corners and make a dice tray. And by the way, they're all foam. It's like or lightly uh, small felt. Uh, I said foam. Small felt lined uh, interiors to protect your cards and everything. And in the 600 card box... There's two columns to hold up to 600 cards, but then on one side, once again, there are these four drawers on uh, either side of the box that you can pull out for tokens, dice, etc. There's a nice tray on top. So again, it doubles as holding a bunch of cards, rule books, tokens, pens, dice. The lid is a dice tray, very solidly built. I mean, if you hear that? That is a hard shell case right there. It's not like if you drop it, you're going to damage your cards or anything. And all, Tony, I believe, of their products are built with this same uh, sturdiness. The 400 card box is the same way, isn't it? Yes, it is. So much. So if you're looking at like for your Arkham Horror decks or on your Marvel decks, great storage option. If you're tired of those boxes sitting on there, I can see Marty taking one of these. And then he's got this sitting out and it's... and he doesn't have to worry about his various expansions that he's got. I don't think the 600 can hold all of his expansions for Markham Hara. I don't know if the 600 can hold all your Marvel stuff. It probably can't, but it can hold uh, a lot of things. Like you said, if you're going on a trip, it can hold a lot of different games. Now, if you're saying, well, I don't need anything that holds 400 or 600, they also have a hundred card cases, uh, which are uh, a lot smaller. 
uh, hold 100 sleeve cards. They have also a removable lid and uh, they're really good for like commander. So if you're into Magic the Gathering and you have a commander deck, well, guess what? This is perfect. This holds 100 cards easily with a little room to spare. Again, hard shell protection and the lid actually comes off. It's magnetic, but it stays in place really well. So Gamegenic is coming out with a really, really nice line of deck boxes and card boxes and everything like that, ranging from holding a hundred up to 600. These are going to be out in December. And something else they sent us too that was pretty cool, the Crystal Dice Tower. If you play a lot of RPGs, they have what's called the Crystal Twister, the premium dice tower, which is basically a, a transparent dice tower with a bunch of little uh, lanes and, and little things that the dice will tumble through as they fall down. You can see them as they tumble. So this is also just a nice little accessory too to keep on your table, which is where I'll keep mine for... Uh, maybe we want to use it for playing Arkham games. We're rolling dice, et cetera, just to see him tumble down the tower. So yeah, Tony, a couple of uh, really nice products from GameGenic. If you're wanting to, when you go on vacation, throw some cards in that 400, bo- uh, 400 card case. So there's a lot of options out there. A lot of different price points from GameGenic. Of course, uh, Miniature Market has a bunch of cases. So there's always those accessories to protect those precious cards of yours. And don't you dare play with that dice tower with me because I ain't got time to watch those things. Roll the dice, people. Vanessa will be into it. She'll get into stuff like that. So yeah, Game Genic, y'all, from Asmodee. Go check out their new line of products. Oh, and I know this is in the outro. We typically talk about video games and stuff. Previously, we had talked about uh, the game from North Star Games, Climate on the Switch. That game is now going to be coming out very soon after this episode to the iOS and Android. So if you're interested in playing that on your phone, we talked about the game. It is a very good conversion of the game. I do like the climate version of the game, Tony. I like the concept of the heating and the cooling and how you have to manage that and stuff. So if you don't have a Switch, well, you should just get a good Switch. But if you don't have a Switch and you want to play on your phone, it will now be available soon on iOS and Android. I cannot imagine playing that game on a small screen, but I'm. <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. I'm the same way. Now, the nice thing about it is with the iOS and Android, you do get notified when it's somebody else's turn with the Switch. It's not that easy. You need to log into the game and, and see how it's going. And be sure to check it out and see if you need the for Evolution and Climate's just on top of it. Yeah, the expansion. Yeah, good point. So Evolution with the climate added on to it. And the uh, uh, final thing is Tony doesn't get really into pop culture stuff like movies and TV and stuff. It's like, I just want to watch something. And and when I, we go on the geek all stars and we do our little draft shows, Tony's like, I don't, I don't care. Whatever y'all say about Marvel DC movies. So there are a couple uh, guys uh, that I've been talking to that I'm in that, the anime uh, club with, uh, which I've, mentioned before oh by the way i just finished uh watching cowboy bebop and uh that is an amazing an amazing anime if you haven't seen it it's on both netflix and uh, hulu right now i wanted to watch it before the live action came out because i wanted to see well how it's going to compare i I, i'll I'll say i'm 
I don't know if I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm cautiously realistic. I'm not expecting much from the live action because the anime was just so, so good. So anyway, so uh, a couple of the guys that I'm going to be doing this with are Nick Yu and Matt Faluzzi, who uh, Nick Yu is a, a board game designer and Matt works with Skybound Games. And we're going to launch a channel called Mediavania, where basically what it is, people who are really into board games who like want to outlet we're talking about video games, TVs, and movies, and I'm just going to be a part of this. I'm not going to be the thing. It's just there's going to be several hosts. We can bring in guests, like if Tony ever wants to come on and talk about Blue Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> you bring it on, big boy. I got yes. Hey, I got Hulu. I can go watch this cowboy yippee cowboy the bebop cowboy yippee kaye. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, we're going to be launching soon. We already have a Twitch. I haven't really promoted it yet, but it's the, actually the first time we're promoting it. We have a a, a Twitch. And we do have Twitch, and it's called Mediavania. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Mediavania Show because Mediavania was already taken. Some guy squatting on it, not even use it anyway. And we also have a YouTube channel that we'll, we'll post links uh, uh, for too. And the goal is is that as movies come out, uh, one of us may come on and do a quick movie review, or a TV show comes out, may do that. May just get on and talk about the latest video game news, some video game reviews. One of the first things we're going to be doing is as soon as the video game awards are announced, we're going to get on, just give our thoughts about the nominees for the video game awards. And then on December 9th, during the VGAs, we're going to live stream together and watch the show together and give our reactions to the new games that are going to be announced. Plus the the winners of the media video game awards. Again, it's just something, an outlet for those of us who love board games, but also like, oh, there's these other things that really, really like to talk about too. So you're telling me we can take it out of our show? That's actually, well, not take it out of our show, but I have been wrongly using our YouTube channel for posting things like things on movies and stuff like that. It's not really appropriate for RDTN because that's not the focus. And I think it gets muddled. It's like, what are you guys doing? You're talking about video games or, or movies on your YouTube channel. Stop. It's like, well, we're going to stop. I now have an outlet for that sort of thing. Doesn't mean we won't stop reviewing video games, especially like board games on the switch or just talking about video games that you and I enjoy, Tony. And I still plan on doing switch reviews of board games on our regular channel that's where those will go because those are very popular still and as more come out in the switch just some a lot, a lot of board games that come out in the switch lately tony i'm waiting for ignasi to release nurishima hex hint 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 but it uh, hasn't happened yet i wish you well on this new adventure so this might be the um this might be what is it the swan song this is your out this is how you can cruise out do you know no, no. That's what's so cool about this is because multiple people are contributing to this. I'm just one of the people that may get on every once in a while and do something. I'm not the main person. All of us have ownership in this channel, making it what it is. And again, we got a long list of guests that people might want to come on. So here's the thing. If you're into board games, media creator or something like that, a publisher is like, man, I would like to get in on that. Uh, let me know. We can set something up, uh, whether it be, again, movies, TV, video games, whatever you want to chat about. So I like, I just like talking about this stuff and uh, Tony gets bored when I talk about it on this show. I'm still picking at you here. I'm not done picking at you on this. So I'm just, All right. It's <laughs> like, so when you tell me that you're too busy to record this show, I can say, okay, and there we go. 
RDTN will always have priority. Always have priority. I will never, ever postpone one of our recordings. This is just something on the side. It's just an outlet to have fun. RDTN is still my main my main baby, my main focus, and that will never change. Uh, okay, we'll see. We'll see when you start rubbing shoulders with the big dogs, when you get up there with the elite. Mm-hmm. When you start getting mm-hmm, packs. Mm-hmm. I hear you now. So before we get out here, there's one thing that just blew Marty's mind recently at board game night. We were able to use a uh, coupon at our board game Haunt McAllister's. And I, I was, so we went and got up something to eat and Marty was going to send me some money. PayPal <laughs> forked up. Something was wrong with PayPal. So Marty goes, Hey man, I just Venmo'd you $5. And I go, well, that's <laughs> awesome. I don't have Venmo. Welcome to the old man's channel. Oh, but I actually got an email saying, Hey, Tony has accepted your friend request to Venmo, but it didn't give me, it wouldn't take the money. You didn't get the money? No. It kept saying the code's not valid. The code's not valid. I'm like, oh, this, this, do you have to tie Venmo to your accounts to accept money? Or is it like PayPal where it sits in a slush fund of PayPal? Uh, exactly. I, 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 I don't, I don't use Venmo a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it was just one of those things. Oh, I can send it Venmo. And without first asking you, do you have Venmo? Which was totally my fault bad thing about venmo is i can't cancel the transaction <laughs> so now there's just five dollars out there in the ether somewhere waiting to be either returned to me or you find a way to get yeah. it it's kind of like the the gift cards i have sitting in a drawer somewhere somebody is making a lot of money on my money somewhere i know that for a fact oh dude i've got gift cards i've got i'm staring at gamestop gift cards that i have no clue how much is on there Oh, it'd be cool if they'd invent this website thing where you could type in the codes. But if you're like me, you're like, I would rather go into the store and have them scan this than to type in this 40 character freaking code. I've also got Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A Visa card with some sort of money on it. <laughs> so it's bad. <laughs> uh, Starbucks. I got a Starbucks. I have used that. I don't drink coffee, but I have used it to get a breakfast when I'm on traveling. Oh my goodness. So... If you if you're gonna run with us old dogs, <laughs> I tell you what, you're always in for something. <laughs> that was so funny. You don't have Venmo? No, I don't have Venmo. Donna has Venmo. I don't have Venmo. Oh, I should have sent it to her then. So you should have sent it to her. Or actually, you know how we do it? You probably <laughs> actually we tell people to send it to Rebecca, and then Rebecca <laughs> we have access <laughs> into her accounts. There you go. She's all on that. I said, I have reached that age, haven't I? But that's quite all right, because you know what? Because I can keep rolling dice and taking names. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dyson Names. Check out our YouTube channel. Follow us on Discord. We're going to be having a lot of great giveaways coming up. And come back next episode for a big review of Imperial Steam from Capstone Games and Brian Boru from the maker of The King is Dead. All right. You heard it. Marty's got his plan to exit RDTN. Oh my gosh, no I don't. Yes you do, I heard it. And people can back me up on this. It's not an exit plan. Can it be mine? <laughs> <laughs>